This morning is the third message in an installment in a series that we've been calling Same Spirit. It's a simple concept, but my motivation behind bringing this to you is to challenge us to begin to lean into the availability, the empowerment, the unlimited resources that are ours because we are in Christ. I believe that we live so far beneath our privilege as Christians that we fail to live in what Jesus died so that we could have. Are, are you following me this morning? I got two people that barely whispered an amen. Y'all wake up, okay? If, if, if you're mad today about me letting somebody talk about getting a little bit of tax, then just go ahead and forgive me right now because I'm going to preach anyway. If I have to turn around and preach to that wall, I'm going to preach. We got, I got something to say, and it's the, it's the word of the Lord. Everybody say, infinitely more. The title of the message today is infinitely more. It's immeasurable. It's above and beyond. We started this with the first message. It was the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, after Easter. We called it Resurrection Connection because our text that we're using today exploded in my spirit a few weeks back. The text is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this, say it, same Spirit living within you. That was our text for Resurrection Connection. Then the next Sunday, we preached out of John chapter 14, where we taught this idea of prepositional perspective. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit that is now with you will be in you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Doesn't mean a palatial estate. It's a resting place, a dwelling place. In my Father's house are many rooms. And we learned that God is building a house, but he's not building one for you. He's building one for himself. And you are God's house. John 14, 23 says... I, Jesus is speaking, Jesus replied and he said, I and the Father will come and take up our abode. We will make our home inside you. He'd already said the Holy Spirit that's with you will be in you. And so when you start to meditate that, that makes us aware of the fact that we're walking around with the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living and dwelling and abiding on the inside of us. We live beneath our privilege because we are called to be world changers. We're called to not be victimized or to be complaining, gossiping, striving, polarized, divided people. We're to be people that walk in peace in the middle of a battle. One thing, if you don't remember anything I've got to say this morning, let's read this together. Here we go. What God is doing in you is always greater than the circumstances around you. Come on, say it like you mean it. What God is doing in you is always greater than the circumstances around you. Everybody on this side, let me hear you. Come on. What God is... Come on, this side over here, let me hear you. What God's in you. All right, come on, middle. What God is... Everybody, let me hear you. Come on. What God is doing in you is always greater than the circumstances 
around you. Why do you do all this repetition? Because you don't get it the first time. Two points this morning, very quickly. Number one, bigger than you can ask or think. Let me pray. Let's pray. Father, we lean into you this morning and we ask you to help us. Bring conviction in our hearts, Lord, for the multitude, the, the outrageous amount of truth that we've heard but we've yet failed to take action on. Let us, Father, not be hearers only, but let us, as James 1 says, be doers of the word and then be blessed in our deeds. Faith without works is dead. Let us be people who take action. Daniel said, those who know God will be strong and do exploits. God, thank you for that kind of empowerment and strength. Thank you Lord, that there are people in this room that don't even believe in themselves, Lord, but you believe in them. Thank you for letting us be led in a song today that we were reminded that we are who you say we are. I am who you say I am. It's not about anybody else or impressing others or getting the approval of men, but it's about recognizing I am who God says I am. I ask you for that. Bring that to bear. Forgive us, Lord, when we live lives all week long, weak and not plugging in to the unlimited power source. Help us, oh God, today to take this moment in this service and to plug in and to live out of that life of unlimited resource. We thank you and we'll be careful to give you praise. It is in the strong name of Jesus that we ask these things and everybody said, amen. Far too often the church is living on a day-to-day -day basis like Christian atheists. Why, Pastor, why would you take a simple idea of same spirit and then basically just drive that into us every week from a different passage, a dip, different scriptural um, springboard? Why, why would you, what, 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 what is in this that is so vital for us to get? It's just the realization that we need to stop and just breathe and, and breathe in the, the, the air of heaven and say, God, lead me into this. And not just make a decision and then beg God to bless it. But if we'll listen, the Lord will speak. And when he speaks, you will discern his will. And anytime we do his will, every time we do what he wants us to do, he will always bless us and provide where he guides us. Where God guides, he provides too often folk try to, try to pull the horse with the wagon instead of getting the horse out in front, pulling the wagon, and we, 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 we get everything turned around, and we, we, we make our decision, and then we beg God to bless it, and then when he doesn't bless it, we get offended, and then we need to learn the lesson of listening and hearing and going to the Word and letting the Holy Spirit prompt us and lead us and guide us, because where he guides, he provides. And it's bigger than I can ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I don't have time to take you this morning to Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul talks about 
he, he begins in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And he dresses every Christian soldier from head to toe in the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and gird about the loins with the belt of truth and walking in shoes of peace. When you're walking in the middle of a battle, you've got on some shoes. The gospel of peace says that in the middle of a battle, you're walking in peace. Above all, lifting up the shield of faith wherewith we quench the fiery darts of the evil one and taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the, ray, the rhema, the spoken word of God. And we, we put on this, this, this armament and we, we, we get geared up because the Lord wants us to stand in the evil day against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, the Bible says. And so all of that is out there. There is a prevailing spirit over the delta. We, we deal with racism and prejudice. There are four things that I've identified in the spirit that we are up against as the church. There is a spirit of racism and prejudice that has been fostered here for several centuries because of a plantation mentality that still wants to hang on. Dr. Martin Luther King said that he longed for the day when his children could sit down at the table of brotherhood and be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. I got the quote out of line, but you, you've heard it enough, you know what I'm saying. To be judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. The issue is that I can't preach, and every Sunday I get up here and I'm going to speak against one of those four things, not always against, but I'm going to show you the solution, which is its opposite. There are four things in this community. Number one, racism and prejudice. Number two, uh, poverty. Poverty. There's a spirit of poverty all over the whole delta. And there is poverty and racism and prejudice. Those two go hand in hand because there's such rampant ignorance. Nobody in our community has done more to speak to that big issue of ignorance than the man who just talked this morning providing opportunities for your children and your grandchildren to be able to enjoy a college education at a far less expense than it would be if they picked up and had to go somewhere else with a tuition that can actually be afforded. And so this brother has laid his life down for us in this community to speak to one of these issues, this issue of ignorance in the Delta, because education is the answer. Now, this doesn't mean that that you have to necessarily go back to school and pursue a, a higher level degree or a graduate degree. That may be the will of the Lord for you. Praise God. If that is, then begin to pursue it. Take steps. Don't just, don't just strategize, but get up and move and then persevere. Because action and perseverance eat strategy for breakfast. Everybody say, take action. We have to endure. We have to keep, keep on going. And so we've got racism and prejudice and we've got poverty and, we, which, and we've got ignorance. And the last one, I believe, is the, the head. He's the chief, the arc principality over the area, and that's apathy. Just keep everybody where they don't care because ain't nothing ever going to change in the Delta. I'm not going to show up for that election because I don't care. That, that spirit is in our, our nation right now. A spirit of apathy, a spirit of indifference, a kind of a complacency that just like a warm blanket just keeps you in the bed on a cold, rainy morning. That's the spirit of it right there. 
Don't try to challenge anything. Don't try to speak up and deal with injustice. Don't try to, 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 to try to labor to bring things better to this community. Are you hearing me this morning? But God says your purpose as the church is we're supposed to stand up against that stuff. That doesn't mean we stand out here and bind the devil. There's a place for that in prayer. But I believe in terms of our action in the community means we don't stand there and curse the darkness and complain about the problems at your job or in your family or uh, at your local school system or in the community and the, the, the divisiveness that we sense and feel in this in this nation that we have right now, never in my lifetime have I seen such an outrageous polarization and extreme. And no matter which side you're on, the other side is the devil. That's not godly. Last service, I said this. I said, you know, the norm has become that you have to identify with an extreme. That you either have to be extreme left or extreme right. And you know what that's become since that's become the norm? Let me tell you where the real extreme person is. The man or the woman that's willing to stand up in the middle of everything, the radical middle that's going to say, you know what, in the middle of all of this vitriolic war of words, I'm going to be a man who walks in peace, and I'm going to invite you to come and join me and you to come and join me because you've got a point there, but you've got a point over here. And the church needs to be... God forgive us because the white evangelical church has told its members that if you're really a Christian, you'll vote Republican. And the black church has told all of their people that if you're really a Christian, you'll vote Democratic. And this mess just keeps us divided in a war between us when the Bible says God's purpose in all of this is that he was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You can't curse the racism and the ignorance and the poverty and the apathy and expect anything to change. You know how you change it? You, you don't curse the darkness. You turn the light on. That means... Thank you. Somebody's waking up over here and you're helping the rest of the room. That means that we can't just sit around and complain and bellyache and gripe and gossip and get in the middle of all of that bad spirit. That means that when I walk out of here, that in the middle of a, of a charged situation, that, that I can't just say amen to the pastor who's trying to challenge us in this ridiculous morass that we have in the Delta, but I've got to go out here and be the example. I've got to demonstrate it to that stuff that's holding this whole community back and say, I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm going to be passionate about Jesus Christ. Would to God that the church would rediscover who she is. Far too many folk in the church have gone into a witness protection program. You like that, don't you? They're in a witness protection program, which means nobody knows where they live and they ain't talking. And that's not what God's called you to do. You're supposed to open your mouth. And that doesn't mean get churchy. It doesn't mean get up, bump somebody over the head with your Bible. It means be the answer. It means turn on the light. Doesn't mean I got to go back to school, but it means I make a commitment to continue to be a lifelong learner. And I'm willing to sit down at a table with somebody that I don't agree with because the relationship with that person is more important than the difference in my politics with him or her. 
I'm preaching so good right now. That means when everybody else is apathetic, I'm going to engage. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lay down. God's purpose for the church is that we would demonstrate, we would display to this nonsense out here that's like a blanket over the whole community, that we would be a, a place where there's light, that there would be a living spirit among this people in here. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit this morning. Mm. I feel like I need a, a young African-American man on the organ over there so I can get into it. I can go in a little bit this morning. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Too many people in the Delta in a churchianity experience live life all week long worried about whether, whether God is mad at them. And I want to tell you, you, you've got a hotline, you've got a red phone sitting on the desk in your house to the Lord. You can get a hold of the most powerful being in the universe, and that's the God who created it. You can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. So please don't lose heart because of my trials, Paul says. I'm suffering for you, and so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, everybody say unlimited resources. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. You don't have a problem big enough. Then Christ will, here it is right here. Say it with me. Then Christ will what? Make his home. There it is right there. There again. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Come on, let's move quickly. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Abby, you want a Grammy singing, how deep is your love? And if you'll listen to it, you can hear, oh, God is the only one that can answer all the questions that are asked in that song. Go ahead. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Verse 20, and here it is. This is the hinge point of the whole message right here. Now all glory to God who is what? Everybody say, our God is able. Ability, dynamis, power, strength. God has the ability. He is able. There is nothing that you have that he can't fix. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work where? There it is again. This is all over the word. People don't hear it because preachers don't preach it. People don't believe it because they've never heard it preached. And the Bible says when you hear the word, then faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The, the, the power is at work on the inside of us, within us, to accomplish. Everybody say it. That's the message title right there. Say infinitely more. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This doesn't mean that I'm supposed to sit down 
and concoct the most ridiculous harebrained idea to come up with because, you know, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's probably one of the worst egregious mass pull-out-of-context scriptures there ever has been. It doesn't mean what most people think it means. It means when you're walking in the will of God, he, you can do whatever he's called you to do. Those are the all things you can do. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend you, but there's, there's a whole lot of things I won't ever be able to do. I, I, I will never be the lead male on the New York Ballet. Can you imagine? I wouldn't need a two-two. I'd need a four-by-four four or maybe a six-by-six. First of all, that's an image I'm sorry I even suggested. I don't want that, I don't want that up in your head. Well, wait a minute. He said, you could do all things through Christ who strengthened Well, yeah, he hadn't strengthened me to do that. I'm 58 years old. No matter how bad I want to, I will never be an astronaut. I won't be on the moon in this next round they're going to make. I know some of y'all are disappointed to hear that. All things has a condition. The condition is the will of God. The will of God means you have to listen. You have to discern. You have to get in the word. You have to be responsive to the spirit. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, punch that neighbor right now and say, he's preaching. <laughs> Point number two, are you getting anything out of this? Let me wrap it up real quick. Point number two, what defines you? What defines you? The color of your skin, your ethnicity, your race, your intelligence, your socioeconomic status, square footage of your house, how many numbers are in front of the first comma in your gross pay, how many garage doors you have on your house, whether you got a boat, all this stuff. You know, if it's not sanctified, and hear that, let me hear this, if it's not sanctified by the Holy Spirit in your life, the American dream can quickly become the American nightmare. Because it can land you in debt that you can't dig your way out of. Because you're trying to keep up with the, whatever their name is down the street. I'm preaching real good. For those of you who don't know it, I'm preaching real good. What defines you? Three verses, I'm not going to take time to read them, but basically John the beloved, the one that Jesus loved, he described himself in the, in the Gospel of John as the one whom Jesus loved. That, that, that's pretty, that takes some guts. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of John, the first, second, and third letters, the epistles of John, and he wrote the book of Revelation, not to be confused with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who was not the first Baptist denomination. It meant he baptized people. So John the Beloved says this to us. He said, there's this spirit among us that everybody out here who's claiming that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, I'm telling you that's the spirit of Antichrist. Because Jesus was human and he was God all at the same time. He was divine and he was human and he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He came down and he dwelt in an earthly human tabernacle and he became a man he became a slave a servant he was made conformable unto death and he did this for me and you and because of what he did we are in a different position with our heavenly father and he says if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about jesus that person is not from god such a person has the spirit of the antichrist capital a 
which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. That was 2,000 years ago. He said it's already here. As a matter of fact, you go on in, in 1 John, he says there are many antichrists. There's, there's, there's been at least one in every generation. Verse 4, but this is the key right here, and I'm going to close. Read it with me. Here we go. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, those antichrist spirit people. And I want to tell you, the principalities over West Memphis and Marion are an antichrist spirit to keep us divided racially, to keep us judging somebody, the, judging the book by the cover, to keep us stereotypically viewing our brothers and sisters because they look differently than we do, whatever shade of brown or black or white that they are, or yellow or red. And he says, you've already been given victory over this because, the, read it with me, because the spirit who what? lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You are not defined by what's outside of you. You are defined by who's inside of you. Come on. What God is doing in you, what's my one thing, and I'm going to finish. What God is doing in you is always greater than the circumstances that are around you. What God is doing in you is greater than what the enemy is attempting to do to you. God's word and his spirit in you is greater than the doctor's report somebody in this room just got this week. God's word and his Holy Spirit is greater than your marriage that's on the rocks right now, somebody in this room. God's word is greater and stronger than the addiction that has somebody else in this room crippled tied to alcohol or to a chemical or a sexual addiction or, or shopping or working, avoiding your family because you, you work in 100 hours a week when you just need to spend some time with those that you want to give everything, but all they really need is some time with you. God's Word and His Spirit in you is greater than everything we've listed this morning, greater than apathy, greater than prejudice and racism. It's greater than ignorance and it's greater than poverty. But nothing will change in your life until you begin to believe what I'm saying. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. You know what happens when a person, there's a, there's a young man standing up right back there, handsome fellow, who a few years ago was a drug dealer. And God radically transformed his life and saved him. I'm talking about Brad Johnson. And we came alongside and nurtured him. And, and one guy in the church hired him on. And, and Brad started, got to a place of management. And, and he's growing and he's applying the word. And he's hungry and he's seeking the Lord. And, and things are regularly changing because he's starting to believe what the Bible says about him. And another brother in the, in the, in the church hired him for a managerial position and helped him for a season grow his company. And now, over the years, because Brad has not quit, he is a business owner himself. He owns his own company. And God has radically changed a whole family for generations to come because of the seed that he put down in that man's heart right there. What God is doing in you is always greater than your circumstances around you. And if we can just catch a little bit of vision, a little bit of hope, because so many folk are just baptized and immersed 
in a you know good, you know good, baby, you know good. Every Sunday, it's the same message warmed over just with a little different spice. It's a new version, another version of John 3.16 every Sunday in so many of these churches around here. Every Sunday, the saints are not growing because nobody's preaching a living, active, live word where they can get a real germ of God on the inside of them and start to see that thing grow and multiply. If the, if the gospel ever really gets in you, it will shake and rattle and roll and transform your life. Does anybody in the house believe what I just said? Greater is he that is in you than he that's trying to get in you. Greater is he that is in you than whatever fear or negativity or doubt that attempts to challenge you. Because that's a work of the enemy. Sid, come on back to the piano. God has called us to be the light. Ephesians 3.10. God's purpose in all of this was that the church would display all of the wisdom of God in his infinite variety to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. We don't have to continue to let this place be like it has been because we can be world changers. If this nation has ever needed a true Holy Ghost revival, it needs it right now. I hope, my prayer is that I will live long enough to see the kind of revival poured out like I've read about in church history, in every generation, there's been one. Oh, we've had a little, little, little skirmish, a little fire here or there. But I mean something that really radically shakes a nation and brings the whole nation back, back to its knees, where we cry out to God. I boldly told people for eight years, as much as I was proud, I truly was proud that we had our first African-American president, beautiful family, Michelle and beautiful daughters. If you, if you snarl at that, then there's a spirit in you you need to speak to. You need to repent of it. Because they, they have a beautiful family. I told you then, that's not the answer. And I want to move over and tell you this morning that the one we currently have is not the answer. Don't put all of your eggs in a political basket. The biggest temptation we need to face as the church is not to wrap the cross in the American flag because if, if we can get a picture of the kingdom of God and we will do that and see bigger and see, see God's unlimited resources, then he will make America great again. She will be great the way she's supposed to be great. It'll never happen until we have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I don't care who's in the White House, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, middle of the road, socialist, whatever, whatever the heck they're going to try to elect this next time around. We need a move of God. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this with all of my heart that we're sitting here waiting on God when the real truth of the matter is God's waiting on us. Because the move of God will come when we get our hearts right. And it starts right here by deciding that we're not going to curse the darkness and complain about what's happening in our city. We're going to get up and take action. We're going to be the light. We're going to show acceptance when everybody else is cursing somebody else because of their skin color. We're going to show 
We're going to show that we're going to continue to pursue, to learn. I'm going to be willing to sit down at a table with somebody that I don't agree with their views in order to just build a relationship with them because that's more important than the difference in my politics with them. Are you following me this morning? I'm going to look to the Lord to pour out his Holy Spirit on us in this community so that we can begin to see real kingdom blessing. God, to raise up entrepreneurs in this church with ideas for for needs that people have, that God will bless you and make your family a living and you can help hire needy people that are going to come to this church and get saved and transformed. I've got a vision for things that I hadn't even told but about a half a dozen people about, for, for God to help us adopt a couple of families every year and if, if, they, if they're lacking in education, get them connected out here and get their GED and say, hey, let me, listen, brother, what are your skills? Well, I don't have any. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up with a brother in the church who's a businessman. You go work two weeks for him for free and He's, he's made the promise to me that if you'll show up with a good attitude and you'll be willing to learn and work hard, he will hire you and he will train you and he will mentor you. What if we thought about those kind of kingdom answers? What God is doing in you is always greater than the circumstances around you. Let me finish. We're about to go out of here and we're going to celebrate. We're going to baptize three this morning right out here in the lobby and it's going to be exciting celebration. Beautiful couple, young lady, Alexa, Taylor, Courtney, those three are being baptized. They're taking a step of faith. They're making a profession of faith that what the Lord has already done inside their hearts, they're declaring it. They're going public with it. They're making an announcement saying, I love Jesus and he's for me. And I'm going to live my life for him. And this morning... I just want to tell you, that's the most critical decision you will ever make in your life. You're at a crossroads. Crittenden County is at a crossroads right now. You're at a crossroads sitting in this room right now. What choices are you going to make? Your life can be entirely different. You can break the bondage of hell that is on you right now that will eventually carry you into an eternal hell if you don't break it. You can't break it. You don't have the ability. But the breaker has come, and his name is Jesus. You can't earn your way into heaven, but the way has come, and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. So this morning, they brought the lights down, and I would, I would ki kindly, courteously ask you to bow your hearts. 